0: Right, Okay. this is David Lovell with a very special podcast. Uh, Not so long ago, I sat down with Brian Alvarez to talk about the book The Death of WCW. And as the interview was starting, I had all these questions about the early days of WCW from like 88 through to 95. And quickly found out that uh, I wasn't going to get very far with Brian uh, with those years because he never covered those years for that book. Because it was R.D. Reynolds, his co-author, that did, and I'm delighted to say that R.D. Reynolds joins me right now. R.D., how's it
1: going? Uh, it's going great. Uh, I'm really—it's so funny because the, uh, writing that book together. I'm glad Brian remembered that uh, that I had done that part because it, it, to me it was such a blur. I couldn't tell you. Why? <laughs> and, and one of the things is <clears throat> when we started that book. Because uh, I I had approached him and said, you know, our writing styles are very similar. Uh, it was funny because I it, at times even now, if I like, go back and read the book, I will have p- trouble remembering. Okay, was that an RD line or was that a Brian line? Because <laughs> we, we write so we wrote so similarly.
0: Obviously, you're known primarily for for wrestle crap, and you you kind of got this reputation as the wrestle crap guy. Um, where did that sort of come from? Where did this sort of interest in the absolute worst of the worst when it comes to professional wrestling? Where did that all start?
1: You know, it's funny because it's... <clears throat> I, was a, I was a wrestling fan, fan starting at about age 14 or 15. Uh, but I'd always had a passion for, like, the worst of anything. <clears throat> and I think it started... I had gotten a book when I was a kid, and it was called The Book of Lists, and they covered the worst, one of the lists was the worst movies ever made. And like now, you know, you just go to YouTube, worst movies ever made, or Google, whatever you want to do, and you would get that, you can get that information like that. That wasn't the case, you know, back in the in the 70s and early 80s. I mean, you weren't going to just run out and get that. So this book that was covering these these terrible movies I was like, these movies sound just amazing, you know. They had one where John Wayne was Genghis Khan and, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space and all these movies that are really famous now for being terrible. Um, I would, I just read that and I thought, that's like the funniest thing ever. I mean, I, I just thought it was so funny that there were, you know, somebody was trying to make something great. It wound up being just a total disaster. Uh, and I've always had kind of affinity, I mean, for anything that I... Anything that I have a fondness for, so be that wrestling, be it video games, be it movies, I've always had, you know, just this thing of I want to find the worst of it because I because I find find humor in it. I mean, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you know, you don't. What do you think of WWE now?" And I'm, you know, you must really love it because it's so terrible. And it's like it's not terrible. Um, It's not. It's it's just more boring. <laughs> uh, and, and the the worst thing you can possibly be, you either want to be fan- either want to be very entertaining, you want to be great, or I want you to be terrible, just the the worst you can possibly be, because being in the middle is is that that's I find no entertainment uh, in that. That's that's just how I've always been.
0: No, I agree. I think WWE is is more boring than anything else nowadays. But every now and again, you know, like the the Swamp Fight between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. I mean, you you must have sort of enjoyed that one, surely, or the or the Eye for an Eye match where the object in the match is to literally gouge the other guy's eye out.
1: Right. It's funny because uh, uh, later tonight we're going to have the, the the voting for the worst of 2020 uh, in pro wrestling. We call it the Gooker Awards, named after the gobbledygooker. And <clears throat> we've done that for uh, over, uh, this will be the 20th twentieth uh, year we've done that. Um, and we, you know, j- just some of that stuff that WWE does, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, yeah, fully on board. You know, make this a disaster. <laughs> you know, entertain me. I don't, <laughs> you know, set somebody, burn them to a crisp. That's fine. Just, just do something to where uh, it, it captures my imagination. It captures my interest.
0: No absolutely so obviously um you covered as we say the the sort of first half of WCW from like 88 to 95 would you say that's the worst ever period of wrestling
1: it was a very <clears throat> you know that is a that's a great question uh until the I mean it was the worst period I had seen uh for sure like I said I, I started watching in <clears throat> let's say 85. Eighty-five, eighty-six, And, I mean, it got so bad with, you know, specifically, you know, I know we're talking WCW, but specifically WWF,
0: hmm.
1: where everybody apparently, you know, uh, working for Vince at that time didn't pay well, because everybody had some second job, like as a clown, or as a garbage man, or as a dentist, no offense for Beaker. Uh, You know, all these different things, Um, and and so it was. It was like, it made you almost embarrassed to be a wrestling fan, and I know it drove a lot, a lot of people off, but again, there was a value for me as a wrestling fan. I actually liked watching that, for the most part, uh, because it was so just out there and absurd and ridiculous. You know, compared to you know the last few years of WWE, uh, which have, and I don't mean this to be a WWE Bash Fest at all because they they do a lot of great stuff. <clears throat> but to me, it's I think it's is it the worst period? It was critically, I would say, the worst period. Uh, but for me as a fan, it was no. What, the more recent years have been have been worse for me personally uh, as a fan but critically for sure i
0: mean it was a it was a very dark period and the first question i asked brian uh was all to do with the black scorpion uh which uh, absolutely which <laughs> uh you know <laughs> obviously everyone knows everyone's seen the Shockmaster master video I, I would say that's probably more obviously way more famous but if they've seen the Shockmaster video they will recognize the voice of the black scorpion because it's more or less the same voice it's only anderson but and it was only anderson's idea as far as i know but there was no end game at all was there for the black scorpion they had no idea where it was going to go and i think it came down to did it come down to like barry windham or rick flair and, and barry windham had just done the fake sting thing at halloween havoc so rick almost sort of as far as i know and you could correct me if i'm wrong but rick almost sort of volunteered himself because it's like well why would you put barry in that position it's going to hurt barry way more it's going to hurt me so so rick flair did it and and yeah i mean i don't know there was just no end game was there for the black scorpion angle they had no mm-hmm. idea where it's going to well, go
1: the biggest problem you have whenever
0: you
1: <clears throat> one of the things you you need to do when you start a story is you want to know what you're you know, the beginning, obviously, what the middle is and what the end is. One of the worst things you can do is start a story and just go, yeah, we'll just figure out the rest later. <laughs> that almost always winds up in disaster. Uh, and, you know, that was the case uh, with the Black Scorpion. Although it did lead to a lot of fantastic television. You know, I mean, guys, <laughs> you know, he was a medieval, you know, he was a magician that somehow knew Sting from the past. And we got these great bits, you know, of uh, you know, him, you know, turning a stagehand into a tiger, and and just all this other stuff that I wasn't quite sure how it was supposed to make me want to go watch a match, a pro wrestling match. But it was it was definitely entertaining. I think you know you you hit the nail on the head whenever you said, you know, the the Shockmaster uh, is is far more famous. But that was like a one. It, 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 mostly, that was like a one hit. I know he was around for, you know, later, and he became Super Shockmaster and all kinds of other stuff. But realistically, that was just a, you know, a couple minute thing. This Black Scorpion thing went on for,
0: for months. months. Yeah,
1: and you know, it was always you know, you know, Sting. Remember California and. You know, eighty-two or whatever. It was. I mean, it was really something that was. um, It was building up. You know, it kind of reminds me. And this would be a bizarre comparison, but and they're both you know famous wrestle crap items. It is you know like the Gobbledygooker? You keep wheeling this egg around, and people are going to go, "Man, what, what's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with that? What's what's going to happen?" And I think it was the same thing with the Black Scorpion. So. People were always trying to come up with, oh, okay, who could be under that? You know, who could be under there? Um, so I guess there was some interest, but it, it was it was definitely strange. Uh, you know, as far as why Flair is the one thing about that era of WCW, and in actually in WCW in general is okay, things aren't going well. Uh, go back to Flair.
0: Yeah, I mean um, and that, he even
1: that happened so often.
0: I mean, he even won the belt from Sting, like a few weeks later. Not obviously not as the Black Scorpion, but as 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 himself, he won the belt, and they put it back on him. And and yeah, I mean, it just uh, I mean, obviously Jim Heard at the time didn't think Ric Flair was the guy anymore, did he? I mean, he wanted to call him Spartacus, wanted him to. Obviously, he did cut his hair. Uh, And and he wanted to get an earring and all the rest of it, Uh, and and all the things that Ric Flair was known for, he wanted to sort of take away. And I think someone sort of—I think it was maybe Jim Ross—that sort of compared it to um, changing a famous baseball player's number. Uh, I can't figure the name. Obviously, I'm a UK. I'm from the UK, so I I can't remember who the baseball player was. Maybe Mickey Mantle or something like that changing his number. Um, you, You can't do that with someone like Ric Flair who's so beloved and so iconic.
1: Right, and it's also something that if if someone looks is so yeah I mean you, you again you hit it it, it, was, it was iconic. It's somebody that is so famous and so known for a certain persona. I mean that's what used to drive me you know crazy whenever in that same era of the WWF, they would bring in people that were well known outside that company. In wrestling, and they would change their name and be like, "Oh, look at this new new person in wrestling." You're like, "No, that's Barry Wyndham. <laughs> you can call him the Widowmaker. You can call him the Stalker. You can call him whatever you want, but you know anybody with any, any wrestling fan's is going to know, you know, that's that's Barry Windham. So trying to do that with Ric Flair is inside the old company, you're not even going to a different company. I mean, that's that was just absurd, and you know, I think that you know, even, even heard in his later years was like, yeah, you know, I've I've sure made some mistakes, you know, on that. So.
0: And he's got nothing to lose now. I mean, he, he was in the, he was in the business for a very sort of short period of time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what's he got to to lose now? I mean, he may as well sort of be honest and say, yeah, I completely messed up there. Um, because obviously Rick left the company, um, and then we had this Great American Bash, which was that the worst? Was that the worst point? Do you think was that the lowest point that that Great American Bash pay-per-view?
1: Yeah, with the We Want Flyer chance, you know, and that that was that was really really that was really really tough. It, it, I want to I want to bounce back to Herd for a second because you, you made a, a point there. You know, he doesn't have he he may as well just be honest. It'd be so nice of other people and in this business, I guess in this world too, but would just admit, hey, I made a mistake with this. You know, hey, I didn't do this right. Hey, this was something that I, I really should have gone a different direction with. I think things would be so much better. You know, it's funny, I was talking to, of all people, Vince Russo the other day. And I just said, you know, I was like, you know this is stuff that happened in, in a wrestling company you know, that died that died 20 years ago. You know, at some point, you just have to be able to just say, you know, I made some mistakes, you know. And it, it was... You, you just have to be able to to do that. So more power to herd. Um, back to, you know, the Great American Bash. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a disaster of a show, you know. Uh, and it was, you know, fans, you know, very clearly... Stating what they wanted, and it's so chow- it's so frustrating whenever, you, as a wrestling fan, you see a company, and you want it to be great. You want it to be something, you want it to be, you want to support this company, and you want it to do, you know, these things, you want it to keep entertaining you, you want to keep, you know, funneling money and time and attention its way. But they make it so hard, and it feels like they just, you know, WCW at times just wanted to fight their fans, which is never a uh, winning formula.
0: No, absolutely not, no. And I think, um, obviously, the Wyndham-Luger match happened inside a cage. As far as you know, was that ever advertised as a cage match, or was that just literally to stop... People from throwing stuff into the ring uh, by, by having it in a cage. I
1: thought it was advertised as a cage. I would need to. I I thought I thought okay. it was.
0: But I th- I, I wonder if that it was the reason.
1: I be on that. So
0: I just wondered if that. was I don't remember seeing any. Obviously, initially, obviously it was advertised as Flair and Luger to to begin right. with. Uh, right. But obviously it was changed to Luger and Wyndham. But I just wondered if that was just done as a response to the fact they knew that the crowd was going to react the way they did.
1: I I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give. Wcw. (laughs)
0: Um. Obviously, when Jim Hurd was ousted, uh, we had Kip Fry for a for a short period of time. Do you think the sort of the relatively short time that Kip Fry was there was was that slightly underrated in some respects? Do you think?
1: Uh, You know, it's it's funny because they just kept cycling through so many people so quick. You know, and it was like no one would stick around, you know, no, either no one would stick around or they wouldn't have the patience with them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think kept, kept you know, I mean, anything, you're kind of grading on a curve, right? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think it was improved, uh, but I don't think he had a large enough body of work to, <clears throat> to really, you know, uh, to put a real stamp on things.
0: I think he has some some good ideas. I mean, he obviously wanted to give guys incentives. um, So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, guys would obviously take more pride in their work because they they knew there was something to be gained from it. Um, But um, obviously, the big problem with him was he spent way too much money. Uh, And so when Bill Watts came in, you know, people like Jake Roberts suddenly were going to be very unhappy because they weren't going to get the deals that uh, Kip Fry had agreed with them
1: right and that was yeah you know, I remember talking to watch years ago and I mean that was one of the things it was like I was you know brought in to save the company money and so that he I mean when you're coming in and it doesn't matter if it's pro wrestling it doesn't matter if it's a fast food restaurant hotel whatever if you're coming in and you're tasked with okay I'm going to save this company money, you're not going to be popular. <laughs> I mean, that's, you, you have no you have no hope of doing that. So for sure, it was gonna it was gonna ruffle some feathers. And he had a, he had a large um, he had a large mountain to climb. He had also been out of wrestling, you know, for a few years. Uh, so that made it really really uh, a challenge, you know, for somebody to be out of wrestling, you know, you know uh, for several years and then come in uh, basically. Uh, Completely new with the task of okay, save the company money, and you're thinking okay, well I can have you know bring in whoever you know uh, guys that have done successfully for me in the past uh, and save save money that way uh, and things will be okay. But of course, it 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 definitely doesn't turn out that way because there's a generally a reason why uh, people that have been out of wrestling were out of wrestling. You know, and in many ways, time had, time had passed them by.
0: Do you think it goes without saying that if he had come in in 88 rather than Hurd, because that was only like a year removed from the UWF uh, being sold to Crockett, he obviously wouldn't have been out of the game for five years, so he would have obviously fared a lot better if he came in in 88.
1: He, he would have. <laughs> I'll say yes with an asterisk because it, it, he... No, he for sure he would have from that aspect. If he was given the same task of, okay, you're going to come in, but you also need to save this company money. I think it still would have been a losing formula. Um, yeah, I, I just think I think he, I think he would have he would have fared better, but I still don't think it would have been a success.
0: Plus, his reputation would have yeah. would have hurt things as well because he wouldn't he wouldn't have been able to be. Bill Watts in that, in that corporate environment. So he, he would have had that problem as well.
1: Correct. Correct. And, and again, I mean, he was, he was from a, he was from a different era, you know? I mean, it was completely different, uh, a different era. And then, you, like you said, corporate environment, you know, Bill Watts,
0: and
1: that doesn't really, <laughs> none of that really, you know, the hindsight's twenty twenty, 20 right? I mean, you, you can look at it and go, yeah, here's all the reasons why this would have failed. Uh, I think at the time, you're just like, well, this guy had, you know, great success, you know, at once upon a time. It was kind of like when Vince brought back, uh, uh, Bischoff and, uh, and and Bruce, uh, you know, last year, right? And Bischoff lasted for like, I don't know, <laughs> three three months or something. But, but again, I mean, he was not... It's kind of the same thing. It was you're you're out of the loop.
0: How much of a I'm I'm going to say how much of a headache was the NWA in the early nineties because it was it was no there was no longer really a committee as such. It, it kind of existed on paper but not really mm-hmm. in reality, and it just felt they kept having these issues that related to a company that just wasn't there anymore.
1: Right, in <clears throat> exactly. It was also something if if the fans don't view it as anything that is something worth having around or don't even know what it is, then what value is it? I mean it's three and it's three letters then. It doesn't you know that doesn't it was something of of a bygone era.
0: And of course, that's why they had so much issue with, with Ric Flair um, when he went to WBF. And I mean, it seemed to had a number of issues because obviously when, when, when Rick when Ric came back and they had the big gold belt, they ran into issues there as well, didn't they? When they were trying to effectively have two world champions at once.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but just being able to say I'm the big gold belt holder, you know, I think that, you know, wow. That's really something. Yes, kids, they actually did uh, promote you know matches for the big gold belt, quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, it was you know just just I don't even know what to say about that. You know, I mean it was crazy that they they thought that they there was a need. The other thing is, I mean, if you have you know your company and like WWE now has a brand split, so you have two different shows. But with WCW, there were there weren't two. I mean, there were different pro television programs, but it weren't. It wasn't like they were segregated. Uh, so it was really, you know, as a fan, it was kind of confusing. It's like, okay, there's the world champion, and then there's this other world champion that has the, the big gold. What? What? I don't understand what the why? Why we have this? I think that was that was something that was, you know, it was. I think they were they were they were putting stock in something that inside the bubble, inside the wrestling bubble, inside the wrestling company made sense, but to the fans at large, I mean, obviously some knew what was going on, but I mean, most were just like, "Why? What are these two championships? This doesn't make any sense at all."
0: And they didn't really. I mean, in the early days, um, up until probably when Bischoff took over, I guess. Uh-huh. They didn't really have, they didn't do very well with keeping hold of their top stars and, and obviously Rick left. L- the whole Lex Luger contract fiasco, that was just a crazy deal where he was effectively, he wasn't signed to WBF, but he was signed to the World Bodybuilding Federation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that was, you know, he he was able to get out. Uh, of WCW, signed with the World Bodybuilding Federation until he could, until his contract essentially expired. Uh, That way he was not with a wrestling company, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but he was, you know, able to then transition to uh, to, you know, the WWF in-ring as uh, originally the narcissist, which was kind of a, you know, you know, I mean, that was kind of a a disaster as well. Uh, disaster is too large of a word, I guess. When we we've, we've thrown out Shockmaster and Black Scorpion, right? So, but, I mean, it just didn't. It wasn't what. It was a fall from. It was a fall from a very high spot. You know, I mean, I remember when Luger came in. '86, I want to say something like that, out of Florida, and like everybody's like, "Whoa, look at this guy! Wow." I mean, he was, you know, just an incredible look at, and then he also uh, wound up having just tons of, and people may not remember these, but, I mean, he had all these great matches with Flair, and with, uh, I remember one he had with, with Brian Pillman that was just amazing. Uh, he had a uh, a feud with uh, Stan Hansen. Right. Uh, yeah. that I think a lot of people have no memory of that I just thought, wow, this is... This is really, really good. And a lot of that, you can say, "Well, yeah, look who he was in the ring with—he <laughs> was in with Stan Hansen and and, and Rick Flair." And you're saying, "Wow, he was. Those matches were really good. I wonder what, wonder how that happened." But I think Luger was—you know—whenever he hit the WWF or hit the WBF, I mean, you're just like, "Wow, this is going to be really something." And it never really was. He never really was anything major until the. You know, they did the Lex Express thing, and then they 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 mistimed uh, when to uh, give him, you know, a, a run with the with the top WWF title. But that's a, I guess that's a, another story for another day.
0: Yeah, he totally should have won at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I think it was a countout finish, wasn't it, in the end? And he sort of celebrated very everyone like he had won the title, which was quite ridiculous. But anyway, um, another guy who. They sort of failed to keep hold of in the early nineties with Sid. Now the story with Sid was was that they actually did a match which was absolutely awful uh, with El Gigante, a stretcher match, and they actually whoa. didn't.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! you you're on. me El El Gigante had a bad match.
0: I know, I know, right? I mean, can you believe that? I'll write that <laughs> down. Uh, he did have one bad match. He may have had others as well, but that's that's one that was certainly very bad. But, um, yeah, but apparently, I mean, they actually didn't even have Sid's name on the board. They put One Man Gang's name on there because they didn't even think he was going to show up.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, Sid was... God bless Sid. He was. He's always kind of his own man. And, you know, the stories were always, you know, if it was softball season, you don't know if Sid's going to show up at all. <laughs> you know, I mean... and. Because he just loved to go play softball, and he was—he was just always kind of, yeah, he was always just kind of his own man. it's—it's it's so funny because you hear these uh, very romanticized tales of different people in in wrestling's past that were all that were their own men, uh, Bruiser Brody, Frank Goodish. You know, he was his own man. He wasn't going to take gruff from anybody. If if somebody did him wrong, he wasn't going to hang around. And I think Sid was the kinder, gentler, probably less intelligent version of that. <laughs> he, was, he was just gonna—he was gonna do what he wanted to do. If he—if it was something where, hey, I can be in wrestling and I can make this money, that's great. But you know, after all, I may not want to do that. I want to go do something else. I just want to go play softball, or I want to go do whatever. And he would always get a call back. So could you blame him? Well, nice. No. He would he would sit there and go, okay. Well, I will, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this wrestling.
0: I'm going to do whatever.
1: Uh, but when the wind blows a different direction and I don't want to be here, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And you're like, man, he really threw his career away. And it's like, no, he didn't, because he would always get a call back. Because of how he looked, and and people were like, oh, me, you know, look at this guy. He's a monster.
0: I mean, he was always over. He always got a reaction. But i, I yeah. can't think of anyone that sort of went back and forth maybe there was but i can't think of anyone that went back and forth more than he did because he was in wcw then he went to wbf then he went back to wcw obviously that the arn anderson scissor deal happened in uh, which right. i think was over here in the uk actually wasn't it and yes, then, that is
1: correct yeah
0: yeah um and he was meant to have the match with vader at starcade and obviously that like, got changed to rick and he wound back up in WBF like a year later or so. But back in 91, I mean, they they effectively let him out of his contract early. And he then was able to debut at SummerSlam of that year. Uh, whereas if he hadn't have been let out of his contract, he wouldn't have been able to appear at the second biggest pay-per-view of the year for WBF. But yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I mean, Sid, yeah, fair play to him. I mean, he, he's... Um, <laughs> You can't really blame the guy, can you, really? I mean, they, like you say, you always got a call back. They always yep. had it. They always um, were happy to give him another run. So, But um, my next question uh, was going to be in regards to Hogan coming in, in 94. Uh-huh. Uh, was it really a case of Hogan or bust, do you think, at that point?
1: I... I think it's some, I I think you absolutely had to try it if you could get him. And I think, I, I shouldn't even say it, I think you absolutely had to try it. And that's not only WCW, that was Hogan too. Because he was, I mean, fans were, I think largely, you know, okay, we've seen this act. We really need to see something new. We really want to see something different. Uh, in the WWF, so I think that you know, it kind of, the timing just made sense for him to make the jump to WCW, and I think it made sense for WCW to try it. You have this wrestling company that's you know been bouncing around for you know however many years they had it at that point, and it had been on you know uh, the superstation for so long. It's like yeah, let's let's try it. Let's see what we can get. I mean, at some point. You just, in business, you have to just try different things. okay. And sometimes those things will succeed and sometimes they'll fail. But if you just keep writing a pat hand, especially one that is not a really successful hand, is what WCW had been. I mean, at some level, you have to say, let's try something different. Let's roll the dice. You know, let's see what we can do and you know the results kind of speak for themselves it, it it took longer than than they expected and it absolutely didn't happen the way they they thought it would but you know i mean it paid dividends in the end
0: could he have do you think he could have turned heel in the WWF like a year prior to coming to wcw in, in like 93 when when brett was sort of being made sort of being groomed as the next guy sort of thing do you think a heel Hogan versus a face Bret Hart could have ever really worked? I
1: think <clears throat> that it would have split the crowd. You
0: I don't think, think Bret was worked. over enough?
1: I, I, I was the world's, I was the world's biggest Bret Hart fan. i mean, huge Bret Hart fan. I was, I was a fan of him way before, you know, uh, they ever even thought about doing anything as a single with me. Because I, I just saw him with Nightheart and those matches. You know, I mean, I always talk about the thing that really hooked me on wrestling was watching Primetime one night and seeing a British Bulldogs match. And I saw that. And then, of course, you know, at that time, they would have been wrestling you know, uh, Brett and Neidhart so much. Uh, and I know that was something that was just... I mean, that was... I mean, it's still near and dear to my heart. You know, I love Brett. Uh, but I don't know that there were enough people that were as attached as what I was to Brett. And I think that Hogan, I mean, you, you would be giving Hogan a fresh set of paint, you know, by turning him heel. I think that would have been. I, I just think you would have got a split reaction. Because I think the people that had booed Hogan for so long would be like, yeah, you know, now look, he's, he's a bad guy, just like what always said. You know, he always raked the eyes and he was always doing all these, you know, if you watch any Hogan matches, I mean, he wrestles like a heel. Uh, even when he was a, a huge baby face. And I think I think it would have split the crowd. I really do. I, I Even if, if, if he had to come into WCW right away and been a heel, I think that would have been a disaster. I, That would have been... Coming in WCW as a heel would have been a disaster. I won't say that it would have been a disaster for him to be a heel. Um, In the WWF, uh, SummerSlam with Brett. uh, But I think it would have been something where the crowd would not have really known. A large part of the crowd would have either... either The the cheering either would have been fractured, or it would have... um, it would have, you know, made Hogan more of a a good guy, almost. Because people would be like, oh, good, I'm glad to see him doing something different.
0: But I think, obviously, when he did turn heel at the Great American Bash in... in not No, Bash at the Beach, sorry, in, in 96, that was yeah. the perfect time. I mean, it, it really was a perfect storm of him getting together with the Outsiders, you know, National Hall. I, I asked this question to Brian. I, I'll ask it to you as well. Do you think... It had to be Hogan. Did the third man have to be Hogan, or would it have worked with Sting? Do you think? Because obviously Sting was Mister WCW, even more so than Flair, because obviously Flair had left for that that short time where it's WWF. Sting was Mister WCW. Here he is now, teaming up with these outsiders. Do you think that it would have worked, or do you think it had to be Hogan? It would. It would have
1: worked. As a WCW angle, and, and I'm not saying that whenever you know, a lot of times we say, "Well, it would have worked is for WCW," you know, like it's like it's a mistake. I'm not saying that. What I'm what I'm saying is, it would have it would have worked as a wrestling angle inside people that were watching WCW at the time would have been like, "Oh my gosh, look at that!" So I don't remember how many people were watching two and a half million or something. Uh, watching WCW at the time, the, it would not have been a catalyst for anything larger than right. a wrestling angle that would have gone on uh, and done a few, you know, done a few pay-per-view events.
0: In this era, Whereas, sorry, sorry, go. On.
1: What I was going to say is, it would have, it would have, it would have worked from a logical standpoint, and there would have been fan interest in it but there wasn't going to be fan interest boom big change wcw forever it it would have never done it like it did like it did with hogan not not a chance
0: unless of course they had a third man from the wf maybe 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 someone of that sort of caliber i guess it would have to be someone like a, a brett or a sean or a undertaker someone of that level then it maybe could have worked
1: yeah, the, the, the you know uh, Brett Sean, y- yes, uh, that that could have uh, could have worked uh, for sure. Couldn't have been Undertaker. No, I, no, the, no. I, Any any time I ever hear Undertaker to WCW, I'd always be like, Ooh, what's you know? How would they bring him in? You know, because and they brought. I mean, he was so known with that character and that persona. And you you can absolutely argue, you know, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, whatever. I'd always go back and go, hey I mean, he to me was <laughs> Razor Ramon was just a offshoot of the diamond I stud. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean why well, I, I never understood how, you know, Undertaker would have ever worked in WCW. But even then, Sean or Brett it would have it would have been bigger than Sting. It wasn't going to be what Hogan was. No, I, I just don't see that.
0: Obviously, Undertaker had been there years prior. You know, he, he was there as me, Mark, for yep. a, for about a year. Obviously, he was in the skies, the new skyscrapers. Uh, yep. He he took um, Sid's place in that team with Dan Spivey, and and then had a had a brief sort of singles run. Probably most famous for the match with Luger at um, I think it was Great American Bash uh, that year. And, yeah, I mean, famously, I think the story goes that the Anderson said that he would never draw any money. So, um, yeah, with, with that in his mind, he probably would never have come back to WCW anyway.
1: To be fair, to be fair, and I, I've always thought this about uh, The Undertaker. You know, it, 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 again, hindsight 2020, it all worked out great. But I always think about when... Mark went in to talk to Vince. And he's like, okay, you're going to be an undead zombie. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I... mean, I just think about that, and <laughs> I was like, this, with anyone else, that would have been a complete disaster. You know, imagine anyone else trying to go in and do that character. Except for maybe Sid, because he's kind of like Frankenstein. <laughs> <But>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could have just yeah. been another... It could have been like Papa Shango.
1: Yeah, or, exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I just don't know that I... I uh, yeah, I just... I, mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I, I just don't know that... You know, it's easy to bash on people for saying, oh, you know, they didn't think this guy was going to draw money. So much of it's timing and just... I still, even to this day, I think that a lot of times, one of the reasons that we saw so many terrible wrestling gimmicks, uh, especially in the WWF, we were talking about that a little earlier, in mid, early to mid nineties, you had all those terrible wrestling gimmicks. Is at some point someone goes, well, "Look how successful Undertaker was," you know, and, and nobody would have thought that would have worked. So I think it's it's. It's something, you know, obviously that's a credit to, to to Mark that he
0: could he could pull that off. There's a there's a lot more examples of, the, of it happening the other way around where a guy takes about two or three or maybe even four gimmicks before they find the right one because I mean Kane all you gotta do is look at Kane. I mean he was yep. you know, he was Isaac Yankum, then he was the fake Diesel, and then finally he got the Kane gimmick and then obviously Kevin Nash. It was really the Vinny Vegas character, which okay wasn't great, but it was a lot. It was a hell of a lot better than Oz or um, being one of the Master Blasters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that- it
1: was funny. I, I just it's you mentioned him as one of the Master Blasters because people generally don't like remember that at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't remember Oz because it was so it was so ridiculous. But the Master Blasters—that was really a. Uh, that's really something I need to go back and do a, a deeper dive of at some point, because we had just found, I just found a uh, a game show here in the U.S. called Family Feud, and Nash was on there as, as, the, as, the, as one of the master
0: blasts. Oh, I saw that clip, yeah. Oh,
1: man, that was just incredible. <laughs> but again, he kept trying to figure out, okay, this, is, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. I mean, Hunter was the same thing, right? Terrorizing and... Oh, the, you know, the, the, the the terrible, French, then the terrible French accent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you just keep, you just keep trying until you find something that is going to work, or you just give up, I guess.
0: <laughs> but then with the Master Blasters. There was, there was a famous tag match they had, and I, I'm trying to remember who it was with, but Kevin Nash's original partner, because he he had a partner before, it was Al Green, because Al Green obviously became his partner, but he I, he was with somebody else. Prior to that, and this guy comes off the top right of a headbutt and misses the other guy by about a foot. Um, it's, it's well worth looking at that clip. I can't, like I can't remember who they were working with. I want to say like Tim Horner or maybe somebody else. They're yeah, in I, I can totally
1: see it being being Tim Horner, you know, Tim Horner, Brad Armstrong kind of thing. Oh yeah, you
0: know? probably. I think it was yeah, Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong. Yeah, they had the match with. But um, yeah, like we say, I mean, it, sometimes it can take two, three, maybe even four gimmicks before you find the one that really works. And um, obviously Nash and Hall coming back in 96 was such a big thing. Do you think when Nitro started, do you think they tried to hotshot a little bit too much? Because, I mean, it worked really well because every week they had something they could deliver for the most part. But you're going to run out of surprises after a while, aren't you? You can't. I I
1: think that... I think they, they did. They did eventually, but it was something that, and I, it's funny because I had actually told, I've actually told several people this. Um, I think I even told Bishop this in that silly debate we had. You know, wrestling needed, wrestling needed a kickstart. Wrestling needed something different. They needed, it needed to be knocked on its keister and they needed reinvent it. I mean you have to understand before Nitro <clears throat> I mean wrestling was a very by the numbers, by the books, okay, we're gonna have a, a big star that's gonna wrestle either a no name, a job you know, a quote unquote job or enhancement talent, whatever it is you wanna call it. You're gonna have that on your television, or you're gonna have <clears throat> excuse me a major star versus a not-major star, you always knew who was going to win and lose. There was there was no tension or, you know, from a, from a story standpoint, and I don't mean, the, okay, let's have a storyline. I mean, from a, let's look at inside the ring, we have a match, we have two people that are wrestling each other, where is the drama in who is going to win or lose this match? And there really wasn't that. Bischoff came in, and he gave us these matches. You're like, holy cow, we're gonna get this major match. You know, these two majors. We're gonna get Hogan versus Luger. Uh, you know, we're gonna get that that quick. Holy cow! Well, I gotta tune in and see this. And yeah, you do eventually. You you do eventually run out of of steam. You know, you, you you can't just keep doing that forever. Uh, but it was something that, you know, for for a period, it was it was fantastic because it was so different in the wrestling industry, the wrestling business. As a fan, I, I guess this is why ECW was was so hot too, because it was so different. Nice. You know, in in, yeah. in some ways, I think I think ECW was like this. I think, it was, I think it was Russo I was talking to the other day. I said, he, you know, he, he said, to me, do you like AEW? And I said, I really like AEW. I think I like the idea of AEW more than I even like the company itself. Because I want to see something different. I remember saying this to Matt Jackson, like yesterday. Uh, we were at the lobby of, uh, the, of the first StarCast, and it was All In, I think was the name of the show. Right, yeah. Um, in Chicago. Uh, And he and I were just in in the lobby and I said, hey, you know, know, I'd never met the guy before. You know, we were just talking and I said, I'm the wrestle crap guy. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. That's cool. Um, And I said, I really, you know, you guys are trying to reinvent the wrestling business. You know, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of seeing somebody try and do something different. And that's what, that's what Bischoff did. You know, it's so funny because he always gets so angry anytime my name is mentioned. He's like, Have hey, you ever <laughs> read the book? You know, we talk about how <laughs> you reinvent the business. And that's something that's really, really cool. And it needs to happen again. And so, to answer your question, because I know I'm kind of jellyfishing all over the place, but yeah, they, they, they probably hotshot it too much, but much better than go that direction. Especially when you're trying to get a foothold. When you're trying to get eyeballs, you have to do something different. You have to be different. And and they were they were radically different and they forced an industry that had just been sitting around doing the same old, same old to do something different.
0: And back to actually back to Jim Hurd because ironically enough it was it was Jim Hurd that actually hired Eric Bischoff Back in mm-hmm. like ninety one or whatever it was, and Bischoff came in as like really mu- a really a third string announcer because I can't recall right. him being on any of the sort of main shares. I can remember Tony Schiavone, I can remember Jim Ross, but I can't remember right. Eric Bischoff. I, I remember him doing the magazine, you know, the the WCW magazine segments he used to do. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, remember. I mean,
1: he was he was not brought in as any anybody that was going to be this wow. You know, here's the here's the future driver of this company. You know, he wasn't brought in as that. I mean, he, again, <clears throat> he will He will <laughs>
0: never
1: want to hear... I don't, I think he doesn't ever want me to say anything nice about him because it ruins this whole, you know, uh, Bischoff versus the death of WCW guys persona he wants to have. But I mean, it was, I mean, he went in to this company and he built himself up. You know, that's something that, you know, he should be very proud of it. I mean, he eventually did a lot of things that were incredibly detrimental but I mean at least he got to the chance that he could could you know change change uh, not only WCW but but change the the, you know the wrestling industry as a whole
0: well I think even when he came back in 2000 and was was put with Russo I, I still think he had the absolute best intentions he he wanted to make that a success I mean he probably had a few misgivings you know when he first started working with Russo but I obviously he wanted it to be successful and he wanted then to also buy the company in Sorry. 2001 before obviously ultimately Vince bought it but yeah I mean obviously you know he you can't take it away from Bischoff the fact that he did beat Vince for all those weeks I mean he ought to really do a podcast and call it <laughs> <laughs> like 83 weeks or something so we, so, we, so we know how many weeks it was but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know see every time i hear that i hear 83 weeks and i'm always like it, 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 it don't get me wrong again it, <laughs> i know he hates it whenever i do this whenever i say anything positive about him but i mean he, he should take great pride in the fact that he was able to knock off vents for you know all those weeks but at the same time, I hear eighty-three weeks, and I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, what in life, you know, after eighty-three weeks, what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's okay. Well, after that, then what?
0: I mean, it was you know. it was eighty-three. Was it eighty-three consecutive weeks that they? I would
1: say it was eighty-three consecutive weeks. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, because I, I'm pretty sure they actually probably won the ratings more well, than yeah, they, yeah, 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 there, there <laughs> were weeks. There were weeks where it went back and forth, but. It was 83 consecutive weeks, and and that is such a. I mean, do you think we'll ever see that happen? I mean, one of the questions I asked Brian as I was wrapping up with him was: 1997 was the last time the WWF was the number two company. Do are we ever going to see a time where the WWE is the number two company again? Is AEW you think going to get big enough where it's going to overtake them?
1: I don't. I don't think it will simply because this will sound very strange, but because wrestling is so niche. And I think that unless there is a groundswell, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? right. And I, I think that unless there is more interest in WWE, I can't see the interest in AEW being large enough. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive. But I really do believe this. There has to be more interest. There has to be more eyeballs on pro wrestling, so that you would have more people going. This WWE is kind of neat, but I want to see what else is out there. You know, what other wrestling companies are out there? And I I don't think AEW can can really uh, make such a make it to such a point that they would wind up going ahead of WWE unless and I, I will put an asterisk on this this is going to sound terrible it, it depends on how long Vince lives <laughs> Yeah. you know I, I don't, and I'm not trying to sound morbid but I really think that as long as Vince keeps making WWE his vision or making WWE the vision he wants I don't, I could see it keep going, becoming less and less popular, I don't know that it would become something that AEW becomes more popular than WWE, but could WWE ever become less popular than AEW? Does that make sense?
0: That makes complete sense. I think Vince is. He the thing with Vince is, any other time he would have known what to do, but mm-hmm. I I I don't have faith in him to know what to do now in, in mm-hmm. to, to turn things around. Um, and I, I yeah I I think that um, with, with, I mean case in point is is has been the whole Roman Reigns thing. I mean. In any other era I mean look at Lex Luger who you brought up earlier on Lex Luger was not working in 1993 and and the guy to go with was definitely Brett Roman Reigns wasn't working for the longest time but they just continued to persist and persist with Roman and other guys would get over and they wouldn't push them like the whole you know Rusev would get hot or you know Wade Barrett or any number of guys and they just wouldn't get behind them because Vince was so dead set on No, Roman's going to be the guy. Do you think that was to the detriment of the company over the last few years? Oh,
1: for sure. For sure. For sure. In in some ways, you know, again, I kind of look at, okay, other people that they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until finally it clicked. Because they did that with Hunter. You know, I mean, they they just kept pushing, but they didn't do it anywhere near as long as what they did, you know, have done with Roman. The other thing is with, with anybody else... They would try different things. right? Okay, let's make him heal, let's make him a good guy, let's make him a bad guy, let's put him in a tag, whatever. Try and do different things to stir up interest, and with this, with Roman, it was just like, no, he's just going to be a good guy. We're going to absolutely push this, and it's we're never going to change. And at some level, I think you kind of had to just look at it and go, okay, well, this is the ceiling for this, for this person, you know it's you know roman maybe you know people i know very much enjoy his heel persona now but i think you you're still looking at a this is the ceiling for this person i i don't think they can get beyond beyond such such a point they're not going to be you know the next hogan or the next uh, rock or austin or whatever i mean
0: or well, even even the next scene really
1: Right, or, or the next Cena. Um, I mean, obviously, Cena's
0: at the same level, but I mean, they they haven't even got anybody who I think can compete with with John Cena right now.
1: Oh no, for sure. I, I, no, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that completely. I, I think that, I, I almost wonder were there any next Cenas that just were not able to shine at the level uh, that maybe they could have become the next Cena um because so much attention was just uh on on one guy that w- was just never working with to the to the level that they wanted it to work with and then you got the fan resentment which made it you know a million times worse and and it's is long been the you know a lot of people just feel that you know Vince just wants to fight his fans he's so happy now because he has the thunderdome and he can just <laughs> dictate what they're cheering and booing you know it's very strange you know when you think about it but i uh, it's been a strange time that's for
0: sure it's been a very strange time as we get ready to sort of wrap up here i i wanted to sort of ask you obviously with um, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary now of, of wcw going out of business because of course i think it was march of, of 2001 does it feel like 20 years ago to you now was it feel like just yesterday they went out of business?
1: Uh, it, I mean, it, it feels... Uh, if, you know, it, it does feel 20 years ago to me. Because it was something that... I I'd look at other things in life other than wrestling. So I don't gauge it on... It's always, okay, was this before or after I met my wife? Was this before <laughs> or after I had my first son? Or, or my son, right. you know? And I, that's kind of how I view everything. And I think whenever you're, you know, you're a parent, um, you kind of just view time moves differently. And yeah, it really does uh, feel like it's 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 been that long ago. I go back and watch some WCW stuff, and I'm really uh, it's so funny. I've told this story before when Brian and I started work on this book. I said, this book is going to be so funny. I can't wait to write it, because I'm the WrestleCraft guy, right? And I just want to write funny stuff. That's all I care about. I just want to make people laugh. I mean, with Death of WCW, I wanted to be incredibly accurate. and I, I wanted to make sure that we had everything possibly covered. And, and <clears throat> you know, it was nice being able to work with <clears throat> Brian and Dave on that. So that we had that. But I was just like, I can't wait to write this book. It's going to be so funny. And Brian just took a completely different approach. He goes, Dude, no, we're going to get really depressed writing this book. I was like, No, we're not. <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, stupid things Sid did. And, you know, I was thinking, Oh, man, I can't wait to write about the Dungeon of Doom. And, you know, all this ridiculous the Shockmaster, Black Scorpion, all that stuff. Couldn't wait And I started watching those early nitros. And I got so depressed because I was like, Oh, man. This was such a perfect era in wrestling. It was so awesome. So in some ways, yeah, it does feel like it was much more recent than that. You know, when I go back and think, oh, man, I remember these good times, you know, watching this. And I'd be over at my buddy's house and we would just be, you know, flipping back and forth. Uh, But in other ways, you know, again, I look at it from uh, there's there's more in my life than pro wrestling. And I kind of gauge everything. Uh, with my family uh, versus okay does it really feel like it was that long ago
0: doesn't it also feel like a great time in wrestling now in many ways i mean obviously with the internet we can watch pretty much any wrestling we want to see and AEW. i really enjoy watching AEW every week Uh, i think they've got a great product and if you want to watch if you're into new japan you can watch that or there's Impact, which I, I guess... Um, I mean, what do you make of what Impact have been doing? Because that, that, that's some some rustle crap right there, isn't it? Right, the kind of things they're doing.
1: Oh, well, I mean, that was always the thing, is... <laughs> and I were always like... You know, we, we did uh, Death of WCW, and then when we did the 10th anniversary edition, um, we were like, okay, we know we're going to do Death of TNA. We know we're going to do Death of Impact. Because there was so much just ridiculous... <laughs> just ridiculous uh, WrestleCraft, yeah. There's so much ridiculousness. We're like, man, that'll make a great book. And then the company, like, never ever dies. <laughs> so like, we can't really <laughs> write the near death of TNA. Um, and it's also something now that you, like, you know, WCW had this large following, even at the end. I mean, they were doing numbers better than what WWE does now, right? And... The, the, the challenge with, with TNA was, you know, doing that book. It was, would anybody even buy it? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and so we've kind of decided, oh, that's, that would be, you know, I guess we could put this book together, but it's a lot of... It, writing a book is not the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, it is very time-consuming. and um, As much as I would love to do a deep dive on the barbed wire Christmas tree, <laughs> uh or or uh Hulk Hogan um you know, dragging Dixie Carter out on his leg as he was trying to leave the company televised, which is still just to me the most amazing amazing one of the most amazing sights ever in any wrestling company is you have someone that's legitimately leaving the company and you have the you know, figurehead and literal uh you know, person running the company literally Hanging on their legs, trying to keep them from leaving. <sighs> TNA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like you say, I mean, they're, they're still around. I mean, Impact is, is still there. They've actually been around longer now than, than really WCW was around. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I bring that uh, up to people all the time. It, it, but you make it, uh, again another really good point. Uh, it is a fantastic time to be a wrestling fan. You can watch anything. I mean, and that's true. Not only with pro wrestling. But it's true with, uh, you know, so many things in life. If I want to, you know, in the old days, if I wanted to have a certain Beatles song or whatever, you know, and people are probably listening to this going, oh, my gosh, how old is this guy? Is this Methuselah <laughs> that uh, David's on the line with? Um, you know, y- you would sit there and go, I-, I would have to go and get this, you know, uh, you know CD or whatever. Now, at the touch of my fingertips, I can think about this. You can listen to any music you want. You can see basically any movie you want, any TV show in history you want, it, read any book you want. I mean, it's, it's amazing you can have all of this. And with pro wrestling, it's that way too. I mean, uh, you know, the days of the tape traders, and I don't know if you ever were around for that, but I mean, there used to be. You would have to sit there and mail tapes back and forth to try and oh i want to see what this ecw is now you can see anything and i think that has almost caused a renaissance uh you know i don't want to call it a work rate renaissance but in many ways you know it kind of is where in order to be noticed i mean you have to be absolutely fantastic I mean, the days of, you know, hey, look, it's the warlord, look how big he is. No offense, (laughs) warlord. But, I mean, you know, I mean, those days are gone. now you have to be, you know, able to to do something to capture people's imaginations. Especially because right now, you have access to everything, and it's so hard to stand out. Um, I love AEW, too. You know, I mean, I love watching that. It's just it is uh, appointment viewing with me you know, every Wednesday night I can't wait I I go on old man social media on Facebook and <clears throat> excuse me we do, we do running uh, commentary of it every week because uh, we just love watching it it's it's wrestling it's wrestling um, it's American wrestling okay so as New Japan is is fantastic the matches are better but there is a barrier uh, to entry. You know what I mean? I mean, you yeah. you have to be able to, to say, yeah, I'm gonna make this jump. It reminds me a lot of like in uh, this is gonna sound like a strange transition, but when when the uh, PlayStation came out, there was a uh, uh, there was a game shop in uh, in 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 my city, and uh, that I could go and I could get these import games from Japan. And some of those games were just fantastic. But, I mean, there was a barrier to interest for that. You know, I had to do something a little different. I had to, you know, be willing. I'm not going to understand everything that is being said, you know, on these uh, in these games. And I think it's the same thing uh, with with New Japan as, as an American or, you know, as, as, as someone in the UK that's, you know, uh, native-speaking uh, English. Um, so there's a barrier to entry For New Japan, but you're getting this really great wrestling action in AEW, and the thing I like the most about it is, I never feel, I shouldn't say never, I almost never feel stupid watching it. And that's been a real problem with me in WWE. Uh, Specifically, I never want to watch that and have my wife or someone come in and see me watching it. Because they will say... You know the in-ring action may be fine, but the the trappings around it, specifically the commentary, uh, you know the in, incessant buzzwords uh, in this WWE speak that no one else on the planet talks like. You know it's it's been a real challenge.
0: Yeah, because even NXT has has now gone a, a similar way since it went to, onto the USA network i still enjoy nxt a lot but yeah. it's definitely not the same show it was
1: right it's not your father's nxt if that makes any sense yeah. no,
0: absolutely <laughs> uh, <laughs> but ardy i mean i've loved this conversation uh i really have it's been a pleasure to have you on
1: well thank you very much i really appreciate the opportunity to be on and uh anytime you want to talk about more uh wcw or, or wrestle crap or anything just let me know
0: yeah i would love to have you back Yep. Okay. okay, great. Thank you very much.
1: All right, thanks.